Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Welcome back to the Hooked On Podcast. We are very glad you have decided to download this particular podcast. I'm Rob McNichol, and joining me, as usual, he's the authority figure around here, which means, presumably, for me to get over, I need to punch him in the face. But I'll wait until later on in the show to do that. He is showbiz for Ben Stadium. What a lovely intro, Rob. Hello there. Hello, everybody. Um, first of all, my apologies. This is a rather belated post-Royal Rumble uh, podcast. As some of you know, we do our sheep competition. I've been laid low since before the Royal Rumble. I've had a dose of the uh, the man flu. So, you know, something Becky Lynch needs to watch out for now. She's declared herself the man. is getting ill with the man flu. Um, and I've had it, and it's been absolutely rotten, and it's waylaid me for a week. So Rob was very patient with me, and obviously we tried to delay the podcast again and again last week, but it just got to the point where I said, mate, it ain't happening. Um... And here we are. So, Rob, sorry about my absence last week, my friend. Oh, you don't need to apologise to me, and you can apologise to the uh, the listeners who were deprived of uh, of a podcast in the week following the Rumble. I also want to take issue with your use of the def- definite article before saying man flu. Cause I think man flu, or that's its own conversation about whether or not that's a, a good description of when you're ill, but I would say, saying calling it the man flu... Especially in the, uh, the, the the sense of uh, a flu being a chimney, I don't want to be talking about your man flu. That sounds like something <laughs> like that's uh, uh, that's uh, rather inappropriate to bring up in the opening two minutes of a podcast. But uh, uh, I'm glad you're better now, my friend. You were, I, I have to say, Paul did struggle through. On the night of the Royal Rumble, we were together in the uh, in our London venue for our Royal Rumble party, and. Uh, Paul was. We kind of had to drag him through the day oh a little bit. God. It was. Uh, it was a. It was a bit of a tough effort for him. So we we rallied round. I hope we helped you get through because it was. Uh, it was a. It was a tough old day. But, you uh, were legends. You, you were legends. And honestly, right, I can't remember very much about the night at all. And I don't. Oh, I had a few red wines towards the end of the night, but literally, I can't remember the day. So I was running late. For those that don't know, a two-hour a two-hour one train journey. Oh no, you down. can't do your train. Became, you can't do your train became story. a six-hour five train journey which compounded things no end left me running around like a blue ass fly trying to set up two venues in london um i can't remember a damn thing mate can't remember a damn thing we are not here to talk about things that should last three hours instead lasted six we're here to talk about the royal rumble (laughs) mate i love it i wish i wish i could say that we talked and set set that up because it would make you look far less impressive but you just come up with that on the fly haven't you there you go eh Something spontaneous. That's why I pay you the books. I'm, I'm allowed one uh, one a year. Um, yeah. Well, listen. I want to. I want to actually start by saying that we are perfectly aware of the irony of us decrying something that goes on a wee bit too long. Every single week, Paul and I go. 
we should uh, probably make this podcast, you know, no longer than night, somewhere between sixty and ninety minutes, and then two and three quarter hours later. And sometimes you got to remember that sometimes the monster podcast that drops on your uh, your player, wherever you are that you're listening, is sometimes edited down. So uh, even even then, but uh, we will, I promise, try and make this one a little bit briefer than normal. But we certainly won't go to essentially what was, if you are someone that is a devotee of the pre-show, um. You're effectively looking at a seven-hour Royal Rumble. And that, that is just... That's mind-blowing, isn't it? I think almost anything that we, you do, you like a lot of content. More content. Yeah, brilliant. I like this. More of it. But, you know, come on. All at once, seven hours. That's a long thing. I know, I know a lot of people... It's very timely this weekend. The Super Bowl has just gone. And you'll be interested in this, Paul. As Paul is a big American football fan. I'm not, particularly. But the Super Bowl is that weekend of year where all of those people come out that pretend they're American football fans and actually they're basically going, is, you know, is John Elway still playing? Um, and, it, it's the, and they are actually, dare I say, some of the people that come out for WrestleMania have a similar approach to wrestling. And it's, who's this Becky Lynch woman? Where's Alundra Blaze? And it's it's that one-off. I think every sport has it, doesn't it? Yes, Whether it's Wimbledon or the, the British Grand Prix or the World Cup or whatever it is. And I'm not actually really knocking people for that, but it's the, it's the one time, the Grand National's another one. People just come out for the, for the one event. And I think the thing I heard the most in you know response to the Super Bowl, you know, over the last couple of days, did you watch Super Bowl? And people go, oh, I watched the first hour, but oh, I don't, didn't go on a long time. Now I know it was a bad game on Sunday, but it's always the the casual viewer of American football always complains that the game goes on way, way too long. And I think it's hard for people to get into NFL unless you love the thing, um, because it's if you're used to a 90-minute football match with a 15-minute halftime actually four, five, six hours worth of an American football match is quite a lot to take. And I have to say, I think it's a little bit similar with the Rumble and WrestleMania. And I think if, if there are people that only watch two or three shows a year, they will only watch the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania and maybe SummerSlam. And I'm not sure it's the best way of getting these people back to your product by giving them something which halfway through they go, God, is Brock Lesnar not on yet? I've sat through this for four hours. Is he not on yet? I honestly think that's a problem. Mate, I, um, I fully agree. Obviously, this one was a bit of an exceptional circumstance for me, with with me just wanting to go to bed. But I just, I just think, you know, I, it's I think it's WWE's problem as a whole in that they just want to pump out content for content's sake. Um, I don't want to sit through six hours of anything. Like I'm I, I'm Game of Thrones, right? I love Game of Thrones. I know you're a big fan too. I cannot wait until the next series comes out in April. I'm beside myself with excitement. Would I sit through six hours of it at once? Absolutely not. It could be the best six hours of Game of Thrones that there's ever been. And I don't want to see it. Like, they just don't understand the concept of, of wanting pe- leaving people wanting more. Um, Do you know what? I actually think I could watch six hours of Game of Thrones, but with a caveat of... I would need to pause it to go to the loo. I'd need to pause it to have something to eat. I'd need to make a cup of tea. I'd need to check my emails. Like I could probably watch six hours in a day over like an eight, nine, ten hour period, but I want to pause it and flick through things on my terms. And sometimes when you're watching, I know you can pause these things when you're watching them in, in, in your own home or on the network, but it's not the same, is it? Especially if you're following it on Twitter or you're with mates or whatever. You have this kind of watching a live show feel about you know it's like a sporting event you know but obviously with the the predetermined aspect and would you and i think that is part sorry go on no you go no i was saying that that is i think part of the problem that watching something live and getting the feel that other people are talking about it at the same time is part of watching a wrestling show so you don't have to forget the fact that we have to stay up until 
you know, four or five o'clock in the morning. That's different. It's not aimed at us. It's aimed at people in America who are doing things into the evening. But I still think it's hard work, you know, for people to just watch something so solid as that. It's not like there's in an intermission or anything like that. It's just full on. And from an East Coast of America perspective, you know, wrestling is marketed at, at, at kids as much as anything. It's a family show. And the Royal Rumble finished at midnight in America. Yeah, obviously. yeah, absolutely. And those those kids have got to be at school Monday. So even across, you know, I'd say the first, you know, for the eastern three time zones, you know, even in the in the middle of America, it's finishing at ten o'clock at night. Kids got to go to bed. Now I know we can Sky Plus things or DVR things, and we can watch things on networks. I get that they can watch it after school the following day, but it's still not quite the same thing. And I, I when they're on television, if they're paid three hours worth of a programming fee from, you know, from Fox or from USA or whoever it is, I can sort of understand it. If they're gonna, you know triple your money or they're going to add an extra you know hour to your money fine but no one's getting paid any more to do it in seven hours as a compo- as a you know opposed to three or four are they no nope, not at all you know it's their it's their own 9.99 a month it's their own pay-per-view fee it's their own um price of admission you could say this is you know, very good of them to give you plenty of bang for your buck but i honestly don't think anyone's crying out for it no no they're not it's everyone wants in, in any form of entertainment you want something that's tight exciting hold your attention and again it leaves you wanting more it's a slog like the best WWE cards are just too long you know I, I again I go back to one that my only Wrestlemania I've been to was Wrestlemania 32 and that was the first one the first event that they really supersized and I by the end of it and obviously the, the fact that it wasn't a good event didn't help at all but by the end of it my first and only Wrestlemania I couldn't wait to get out yeah that's a that's a real issue and again I think that's an issue for for casual fans that they're trying to attract by the big shows but also the fact that you are generally going to put in your last match of the night the person or people that you think are the most over with the crowd yeah so the one that they most want to see is the one that goes on last and if you've been watching something this I'm talking about the live crowd only if you've been watching something for four five six hours you cannot possibly have the energy that you had at the start of the evening so whoever re- headlines Wrestlemania whoever headlines the Royal Rumble so let's talk, talk we're talking about the Rumble specifically yeah so when Seth Seth Rollins wins the Royal Rumble at midnight on the East Coast, at five o'clock in the morning in London, watching it for us on the on the big screen, you simply cannot have the same enthusiasm for that victory at the end of the show as you could have if it was two or three hours earlier. Particularly if there have been good matches in the middle of the show and there have been big emotional moments in the show, such as Becky Lynch winning the Women's Royal Rumble, that was the high point of the show. Now I'm not necessarily saying they should have put that on last. Because actually, you might have had the watered down, you know, reaction to that match. So mm. it's it's now hard to work out where you would put things. But what I'm saying is, is that it's hard, even harder for the matches after the big emotional, you know, moment to fight back from that. And I think it, you know it affects a lot of a lot of the reaction to your bigger stars. And if your bigger stars are not getting the reaction that you want, that has a domino effect. Yeah, I think. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Is is the fact of life? I think we're we're going to be stuck with these supersized pay per views, and I think well, we're. I don't know. Do you not think? You think, think there that, might be some change? Well I, well, I do. I think there's a solution, and it's not going to happen this year. Okay. Because everything is already set up. But I think the natural progression, possibly from WrestleMania 36, and it might take a bit longer. But I think the natural progression is a, is a two day pay per view, and I don't mean 48 hours straight. I mean a Saturday evening and a Sunday evening. Because I, okay. I think of WrestleMania... I think of WrestleMania now... I've said this before. I think of WrestleMania now like a festival. 
you know, think like Glastonbury. You know, so when is Glastonbury? I'm not very good with music festivals. When is, is Glastonbury? Is it May, May June? June? Yeah, I'm not too sure. So, so I would have thought around about this time. Maybe they've already done it, but around about this time, you'll start to find out the headliners, won't you? But they don't say, "Here's a bunch of people that are performing at Glastonbury," or they don't say, "Here is one person that's performing in Glastonbury." They say Friday night is being headlined by, you know, I'm going to show my lack of knowledge of current music now. But you don't. Friday night is being headlined by Coldplay. Saturday night is being headlined by Drake, and Sunday night is headlined by, you know, Pink Floyd. Right? Whatever they decide it's going to be, they give you a headliner for each night, don't they? Yeah. And Glastonbury is not. You know, I'm sure there are lots of stuff going on during the day, but the main stage of Glastonbury, I'm aware there are lots of stages, I'm aware, that I, I know it's not just as simple as one gig, but the main stage at Glastonbury is three nights worth of, of shows, I believe, on, you know, from sort of seven or eight in the evening through to sort of midnight, one o'clock. Um, I'm saying you could do WrestleMania. So rather than having a six-hour WrestleMania or a seven-hour WrestleMania, I don't see the problem in having two three-hour WrestleManias Saturday and Sunday night. It's very crucial you stick to the three hours, but I think you could then have your your double main events. So then you could have your you could live up to the you know, the stipulations of the Royal Rumble if you wanted to. So there wouldn't be this talk of will Becky versus Ronda main event, will Seth versus Brock main event. Well, they, one could you know main event each night. So one you know the Saturday night is one main event, the Sunday night is another main event, and you just pick your card accordingly, and you just you make WrestleMania two days. I think the first couple might be a bit strange, but after it after you start to get it, I think people would just accept that WrestleMania is a two day show, the same that the same that Glastonbury is a two day show, or the same that the the Cheltenham Festival racing is four days, or you know this there are certain things that are not just one night events. You can make them into a you know, I, I think they've done. I, I want to say they've done that with other sporting events as well, where they've done sort of like double headers of things. And it's like, you know, I think you know things. I think there are cricket. I want to say the 2020 cricket. I think you have semi-finals one yeah, day and the final yeah, the next. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I think you know there's, there are reasons for doing this in WrestleMania in particular because you've pro- you've got a bit of a captive audience where people fly in for WrestleMania weekend. They don't. You know, assume you know. Let's say that there's a pay-per-view. Name me an American city. It doesn't matter where it is. Chicago. Uh, Chicago is a crap example because it's a big one, but a small, a smaller one. Uh, Illinois. Uh, no, uh, Saint Louis. Cleve. Saint Louis. Good one. Okay, we'll do. Yeah, Saint Saint Louis or Saint Louis, depending on who you are in the world. But uh, so yeah, there you are, down in Missouri, right? It's down there, isn't it? So it's not necessarily a destination city. I'm saying, if say Backlash is in Saint Louis. You're going to get people come from around about that area, maybe if, you know three or four miles either, uh, three or four um, hours either side. The odd fanatic that's going to fly in from another American city or from a, a foreign destination. But generally speaking, you're going to get that crowd from the St. Louis area, 15, 20, 25,000 people if the if the building you know elects. For for WrestleMania, all bets are off. Yep. It doesn't matter where WrestleMania is in terms of drawing a crowd if they had it in a in a in, a, in the middle of america with a very small place they'd still be able to draw a big crowd because people come from all over the world from europe from australia from canada from mexico they come up and they come to wrestlemania it helps of course if you're in a big you know resort or not resort but you know attraction place like like new york or new orleans or, or los angeles but generally speaking people are going to come into wrestlemania and they don't just come to the show and go home the same way that you might go and see a you know a, you Paul lives in Yorkshire, so you might go to Leeds on Saturday night to see a band, or you might go to, you know, Sheffield next week to see a particular show. You're not going to go for four days, are you? Because you're you're in the area. But Correct. if it's WrestleMania, you've already made that, you know, um, that commitment. So you have at the moment your NXT, your Hall of Fame, 
your WrestleMania, your Raw, your SmackDown, plus you know another 20, 40, 60, however many are else there are independent wrestling events going on. And I just think that if you took, say, you took NXT and moved it to the week before, and you just replaced the NXT show that exists now on the Saturday night, or is Saturday night? Is this Hall of Fame Friday, isn't it? Then NXT Saturday. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So if you just keep the keep the you know, as, as it is, but replace NXT with another WrestleMania night, move NXT to the week before, and I think you make yourself a good WrestleMania weekend. I think you'd sell. Suddenly you're gonna, you know, that that venue that you know you're probably not gonna sell ninety thousand out two nights in a row. But if you pick the right venue, you'd probably sell fifty or sixty out two nights in a row. I think there'd be a lot of people that would buy the double ticket because they're in town anyway. You take you take a little bit away from any competing shows. You know, if you you've got your New Japan running. MSG or if AEW decide they're going to do something for Wrestlemania 36 weekend you can maybe take a little bit away from them by doing a second Wrestlemania date I think there's a lot of positives to that and what I'm saying is if that then works sorry for the essay I'll let Paul speak in a minute but if that if that then works you know once or twice I think it's easily then translated to the Rumble and I'm not saying you have a women's night and a men's night I would still mix the cards but you could have one Royal Rumble match on the Saturday, one Royal Rumble match on the Sunday, and an undercard to support each. And I just think you would have a show that you could watch, not not in bite-sized form, but in, in a proper form, get some good sleep, and watch the show the next day. And I think you would enjoy both. And over time, you wouldn't think as one being the main show. To begin with, you'd be saying, oh, Sunday's the biggest show. But over time, I don't think you would. Now, I understand there are reasons why Saturday night is not always a great pay-per-view night because there are other things going on. I do understand that. But these days, with the network, it's not a pay-per-view night as much as it used to be. It's a network night. People might watch that the following day. They might watch it at different times. I still think they'd sell the tickets. And I think that could be your solution, at the very least, for the WrestleMania and Rumble issue of having the two long shows. My fear is that we'll sit here in three years' time saying, bloody hell, it was six hours Saturday night and seven hours Sunday night. Let's make it three days, and then that therefore madness lies. But yeah. what do you think? It's a bit of a long-winded explanation of mine, but I hope I've put it across in in sensible terms. Well, I've I've been I'm not sure I've heard all of it all of it, mate, because I've been to the toilet, uh, I've been to make myself another copper. Um, Why would you say that? Why would you say that? That was a cogent, well thought out argument. No, honestly, it's a very well thought out argument to the point where I don't I don't see any argument against it nowadays. It's um, apart from the financials. Obviously, you know, you'd have to work out what the financials would uh, would mean, because it goes without saying that putting on an event two days in a row is more expensive than putting on an event just the once. Um, now, what that would it, it comes down to ticket sales, then, doesn't it? If yeah, you, it does. it's whether or not you can sell another fifty thousand. Hold on, tickets. It, it depends what you, you know. It, it, yeah, yes, no. Like ticket sales are one thing. Um, obviously, you get more sponsorship, more concessions. So there's a lot. You know, if, even if you. If you're buying this, like let's say for argument's sake, you sell them two nights for the same price you sell them for one night, right? You wouldn't. You'd obviously put a premium on it. But if you did, that person, you and I, if we went on night one and bought our beers and our snacks and whatnot, we'd be going back and buying those beers and snacks again the next night as well. So there would be extra revenue both days. Well, that depends on who makes that revenue, because that could be franchising well, the building. Well, yeah, it but wouldn't, it, al- wouldn't always be WWE that would make that no, money. No, but you'd, yeah, you'd do a deal on the building costs if the building was yeah. going to make more money over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and you'd sell you'd sell the merch. You'd sell two days worth of merch. Well, maybe you wouldn't. I'm not so sure about that. I think you'd buy it. If it was, assuming it was the same crowd both days, I think they'd probably just make a choice and buy one day. But there you go. Um, 
but what I'm saying is that the, bill, the, the extra cost of the building is probably not going to be all that much because it's not like they're going to have another event in that weekend anyway. Um, so you'd be able to negotiate a good rate. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it takes They spend more days setting the damn thing up and turning the thing down than they do actually putting on the show anyway. So like, it's right. not like they're doing... It's not like hiring out for two days instead of one. It's more like they're hiring out for eight days instead of seven. So, um, so the cost impact isn't that great as well. So yeah, so there is a financial impact there. But other than that, I just don't see what the argument is. You get we get two events, we get two. You know, we might even get two distinct different styles of mania. You know, you could have one mania that was a bit more sports entertainment and a bit more that was, one that was a bit more wrestling. I just think that I just think that it makes so much sense. I, I get I would not be shocked if that's where we go. It would be a it would be an education process because at first people would be by you know by design they would be sitting there going well you can't have two WrestleManias one must be more important than the other and I can see that point initially but then you'd have to just you know make sure that people were conditioned to the fact that WrestleMania that wasn't just what you see for those three hours on screen WrestleMania is the weekend WrestleMania is the experience and be that being on location in the city or being glued in front of the network and you seeing NXT, the Hall of Fame, interviews, content, 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 and you make WrestleMania. Like I say, you know, like the BBC do Glastonbury, where you press the red button and you can watch eight or nine different stages. The, the network can do that. The new capability that's coming through the network can do all of that. So why not have WrestleMania become less an event and more a festival? You can have World yeah. Collide tournament access. You could even go and have what you know, go and film the Progress Show or the ICW Show or the Evolve Show. You can go and do interviews with a load of guys. You can film Access. You can do an NXT UK show. You can do a 205 Live show. Um, the possibilities are endless. You could really make rest- WrestleMania a three-day non-stop festival of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't take that. And I would bring. I would. I would absolutely. And I would brand it that. I would absolutely. call it. The WrestleMania Festival. It is it is WrestleMania Festival 36. Uh, that is what I would call. Everyone would call it WrestleMania 36, but I would brand it as the upcoming WrestleMania Festival. Next year's WrestleMania Festival is going to be in Chicago. I would honestly talk to you know talk about it in those terms. And then the same way as everyone, you don't say, Paul, are you going to the Glastonbury Festival next year? Yeah. You say, are you going to Glastonbury? So you can brand it as the festival, and that will soon get dropped because you actually just say we don't even say WrestleMania, do you? You say, are you going to Mania? Yeah. So you do your branding the right way. It's a little bit like saying, um, I'm trying to think of the, of the right kind of football ground now. But if uh, like um, your ground is called Blundell Park, isn't it at Grimsby? Has it got a sponsor? Uh, no, don't. No, right, okay, no. let's let's say let's say it became called the the Hooked on Wrestling Arena. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. You you might in official you know on the official match program say welcome to the Hooked on Wrestling Arena, but the fans would still say you're going to Blundell Park on Saturday. Oh, of course. Or you might even just, or you might even just say you go to the park, or you know, however you refer to the local, you know, local ground. So that wouldn't matter, but it would still have a little bit of a, you know, something dropped into everyone's brain that this is a festival, and absolutely bring in more things. They've got a lot of competitors around, you know, WrestleMania weekend, and I do think certain things will be harmed by the success of Ring of Honor and New Japan shows, and particularly if AEW gets in any sort of foothold. So why not bring in? So how many sort of legends will turn up and do their shows? Like Bruce Pritchard will do a show, Jim Ross will do a show, you know, all those kind of. Well, bring it all in. Bring it all in. Bung them a couple of hundred quid. Put a WWE banner on it. Stick it on the network, or stick highlights of it on the network, and make it a WWE thing. Just bring it all into the and make WrestleMania 
make the the whole almost the whole city is WWE branded. Don't discourage all the smaller shows because it's it's still fun for them to have something. But you can you can take ownership of everything. You know, by just chucking a couple of quid at a few people to say, look, here's a couple of grand to do it, as long as we can use it on the network. Because people will then go, yep, not a problem, because they'll want to be associated. Some will want to stay independent, and rightly so, but most will be happy to go, yep, not a problem at all. Because, and I don't see why they don't run their own shows with, you know, with legends and whatever, you know, a night with this guy, or two nights with that guy, a panel with this guy, you know, and do your own things like that. It's so easy to do, and it's... I... I, I this is not an idea that, you know, sometimes you come up with an idea and say, oh, they'll never do it. You can probably dig out a one-sided ring, my old podcast from about seven or eight years ago, and you'll hear me talking exactly the same way about a women's Royal Rumble. You know, because I, I have been talking about this for about ten years. Sure. And it, and it happened to come in last year. I'm not saying they took my advice. I'm just saying that I felt like it was something that ought to be done, and eventually it's been done. And I think about this one in the same way. I think it's. I don't think this is my idea that maybe they will or will not use. I think at some point in the next 10 to 15 years, they are going to make WrestleMania a multi-day event. And I honestly think it could happen in the next two or three. Oh, I, I, I agree and, with you on that. And it's it's not like WrestleMania has been static either for, for 35 years. You only need to go back, ooh. what, you know, I don't know, let's, let's think maybe six or seven years maybe less and you weren't getting all these independent shows it's only relatively recently that all these independent shows and co independent conventions and whatever else have popped up around Mania well I went to I went to Wrestlemania 25 in Houston so that's 10 years ago and there was from a WWE perspective uh, I went I think Access was I think Friday Saturday Sunday but it might just have been Saturday Sunday um, so I went to Access at, at some point I went to the Hall of Fame on the Saturday night we had like a media dinner on the Friday night, so there was that no, wasn't competing against anything. We had a Hall of Fame on the Saturday, um, the WrestleMania on the Sunday, and then Raw on the Monday. I don't even think SmackDown was in Houston. It might have been. I might be proved wrong there, but I'm not convinced that SmackDown was in the same city. They might have gone somewhere else for SmackDown. Um, and Raw was never always was all, in the same city. You know, it wasn't always. It, it happened to be on for that one. It was because it was you know literally I could it was I could hit a five iron to, to, to the venue yeah, where yeah, Raw was from the hotel. It was right next door. But um, in terms of uh, in terms of what was going on else, I'm fairly certain there was a Ring of Honor show. There was definitely, in fact, there was a Ring of Honor show because it was in the same building where there was a wrestling convention that Booker T had put on uh, in his hometown. But that wasn't a massive, massive deal. That wasn't like WrestleCon is now. I suspect that might have been um, the start of it. You know, I think that might have been it might the first well have year because it was it Ring of Honor who were the first people to do it. I'm pretty sure. Well, it was Booker. It was definitely Booker T's convention. In his hometown, it was it was billed as something Booker T had put on, but there was a Ring of Honor show in the same venue. Right. Um. Uh. So, you know that and that was again that was literally round the corner from where they were hosting Raw and where our hotel was. Um. I, I, but I don't think there was any Japanese shows. I don't remember there being any local Texas wrestling shows. TNA weren't there. You know, it was there was a couple of other things. But other than that, it was just WWE. And now, well, you're the one that's been most recently, three years ago. There are absolutely tons of things. No, you can't move. You can't move for, for stuff that's on. It's it's already a festival, right? WrestleMania is already a festival. It's just not all under WWE's control. And it could easily be. Yep, I agree. And I, and I don't think you would... I, like I say, I would just move the NXT show to the week before. Um, you could use that as the, the kick-off to a WrestleMania week. WrestleMania week starts with the NXT, NXT show... And then we've got the you know the the Raw and SmackDown Monday Tuesday, and then it's um you know you could have that from a nearby you know venue, couldn't you? So let's say this year it's in New York, so you could just have it you know somewhere in 
in New Jersey or Boston or Connecticut or somewhere that's not a million miles away from the uh, the, the the host city, and then everything moves there during the week, and you just you just crack on into WrestleMania week, and the NXT show could have a match or a tournament or a battle royal or something where if you win it, that gets you onto WrestleMania for either a US title shot or just to promote you to the main roster or some sort of thing. There's all sorts of ways that you could use the NXT. Because some people would... Listen, what I'm, I'm very aware of is people are very protective about NXT. They love their NXT. Yep. Uh, Me included. And that's really cool. And by, and by the way, we're going to talk about that. And I think in, in a couple of weeks' time, we've kind of earmarked a bit of a, an NXT show that we're going to do some talking about. So we'll cover the, last week's NXT TakeOver uh, in some more detail in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and in that, we'll talk about sort of all sorts of things NXT. Um, but some people are very protective about that and will get you know very defensive oh why should they kick off Wrestlemania why should they kick off NXT for another night of Wrestlemania NXT would be better anyway but I'm not kicking it off I'm just moving it a week earlier just giving it a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of space in between because that just it doesn't make the Wrestlemania week any longer what I'm saying is if you had two days and then suddenly the Hall of Fame is Thursday and then NXT is Friday and then Mania is Saturday, Sunday and then it's Raw and Smackdown and it's like bloody hell you've actually got six consecutive nights yep. And that's that's pretty tiring, not just for uh, for watching, but also for the crew that are, you know, partaking. So I'm aware of not making that week too much bigger as it is. But listen, I, we, we're talk- this is meant to be a Royal Rumble episode, and, we, and we're we're really focused on on WrestleMania. But it does affect the Rumble because it's part of the same season, and I do think it would be, you know, something that would would absolutely help the issue that we had. Sunday before last where we were all <laughs> pretty damn well exhausted yeah well I agree I agree I just it gets me really excited the idea of it actually and I think it would I think it would re-energise a fan base that is on the verge of maybe getting a bit burnt out with Wrestlemania I might be wrong and look they still do monster business I'm not suggesting Wrestlemania is going to come and bust anytime soon but it'd give it a real shot in the arm what I'd really like to do I'd like to speak to some sort of um you know, industry person in America to find out some more details about what, what, how that would work in terms of would you know would people be happy to do something like that on, a, on a Saturday night? Uh, and also, the other option, if things are going to be dead long, um, you know, is the option to go earlier in the day. You know, rather than starting at you know seven o'clock on the Eastern Seaboard, you know, midnight in you know in 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 Britain, is the idea. You know, could you start at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon? You know, I know, I know that I know that changes across the, that four o'clock on the east coast between becomes one o'clock on the west. But you know, maybe you could start earlier in the day yeah. and, and have it go through. Would, how would that affect the rest of Europe? Would you get better, you know, take up on on those kind of shows across the world because you start at a different time? I don't know. There's there's I, I don't know enough about that to be able to comment on it. But I'm sure it's something else that um, you know possibly could be explored. Yeah, it's a good question. The possibilities are endless. There's a lot to do. Um... And, and like I say, I think I think we're all agreed. I think a lot of people out there would agree with us that it would be a positive change. Indeed. Let's let's talk a bit more about the actual rumble itself. We promised we wouldn't go on for too long, and we've ended up going on for a long time about one <laughs> what a, specific what topic. A but I, no, but I think it's an important. I think it's an important issue, and I think we've we've covered it as as best we can. So we will try and make up for that by not going forensic into every match, um, partly because. Um, we don't want to, and partly because actually, you know, you're listening to this, you know, 10, 11 days uh, after WrestleMania, uh, after the Rumble, I beg your pardon. Um, so, you know, in effect, we're no longer very current doing that sort of thing. But um, we'll start with the actual Rumble matches themselves, because I think that's the draw uh, of the Royal Rumble to most people. Um, Babyface wins, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Um, not massive shocks in terms of how they came about. You know, Seth outlasting people coming in, and I think he was in the the first half of the draw. He was, was, he, was he drawn about? He was, tw- tenth. was ten. Okay, so he lasted a fair amount of time. It's the kind of thing he can do. 
Um, we sort of saw the story come in in terms of Becky, you know, finding another way into the match, which she did by replacing the uh, the injured Lana, um, and they told a good story with that. Um, some people will go, oh, predictable. My response to that is sometimes predictable makes sense, and I would rather have sense that's predictable than nonsense that I didn't see coming. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think. To a degree, uh, I agree to a point. I think the Becky Lynch win was exciting. We knew it was happening. It was just a case of how she got there, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think they did quite well. I think the fact that they had her on first and losing to Asuka cleanly in an exciting and competitive match um, was was good. Um, and not only that, but it also gave her this, you know, knee injury going into WrestleMania season that's going to become so crucial. Um, in the story so I think that was really good long term planning and then I, I liked how she came in there the, the fans were alive for it and they were begging to see her get in there um, and it came down to her and Charlotte which is obviously the, was the money in the Royal Rumble so I liked that a lot I thought it was really well done wasn't keen on the Men's Royal Rumble um, I'll say I wasn't keen on the Men's Royal Rumble full stop I thought it really lacked story I thought it really like you know what's great about the Royal Rumble often is how it has a you know it'll maybe have one or two narrative threads going around the whole thing but then a bunch of them um, taking place in you know little you know there'll be a guy that does uh, a certain thing inside the room we might have a little mini story with another guy somebody's feuding with Mike coming it come in um, and it really adds flavour to it but in this one it just felt like entrance exit entrance exit entrance exit until we got to the whole Braun Strowman Seth Rollins through a table thing and it just it didn't it didn't do a lot for me if I'm honest it, it did not grab my attention and it didn't help that I find Seth Rollins a fairly uninspired winner I'm not saying I don't like Seth I think he's a great talent and I think when he's motivated and focused on he's very very interesting but it's very to me it's just quite dull I don't you know just, Brock Lesnar against Seth Rollins at Wrestlemania okay yeah, fine, it's okay, but not not really doing anything for me, guys. Fair enough. In terms of the actual show itself, without projecting too far in terms of WrestleMania, I feel like sometimes you have Royal Rumbles where uh, it's... I'm not going to say you what the word shocking, but it's something a bit different, like you would have a return, so... You know, you, you, we've had three, four, five years, haven't you, where someone's returned and won it. So I'm thinking Edge, yeah. Triple H, Cena. You know, you've had that sort of like that sudden wow factor. There's been other ones where there has been a, you know, a shocking ending, a bit of a screw finish or, or whatever. Um, but other other times, sometimes you just need to do the right thing. Uh, and I sort of felt like, you're right. I don't think either of those rumbles are going to go down as classic. I thought, by the way, I thought the Royal Rumble last year both. You know the whole show in itself, but mainly the, you know, I watched the Men's Royal Rumble quite recently from last year, and it's a cracker. It really yeah, yeah. was a good yeah, Royal Rumble last year, a really, really good one, and it's one that you will go back and watch time and time again. Um, yeah, I didn't think I, I actually, I actually had it the other way around to you. I actually slightly preferred the men's one to the women's one, in its in its totality. Although I totally agree that the finish to the women's one was better. I thought until Becky came out, you know. Bear in mind, Lana, I think, was 28, wasn't she? And I think number 30 might have been in the ring. The Carmella was going to get into the ring. Yeah, she was 29, by the time she? Becky, Was it 28, 29? And by the time Becky, you know, all 30 were in by the time... Or 29 had been in by the time Becky convinced... You know, I don't know why Fit Finley suddenly had the uh, the authority <laughs> to do that. But, uh, um, 
you know, by the time Becky convinced him that she was allowed in, it was basically the end of the match. So I thought the first 27, 28 entries, I thought was, you know, really just a procession of, you know, of women they have in the company, which is fine. But I thought, I suppose the, the one benefit to it, I, I think, is that maybe last year there were a little bit too many returnees, or at least too many returnees that did well. You know, Michelle McCool was eliminating people left, right and centre, and... You know, Molly Holly was eliminating people, and Beth Phoenix and Kelly Kelly, and it was a few too many of the returnees looked like they were better than the the current crop, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but I, I kind of like that they had you know enough people this year that they could rely on their own strength without having to go back to you know dig too far into the past. There weren't too many were there. I can't think of there wasn't there wasn't. Too... I don't think there was anybody, and I think that was was there no one? that was for the best because, like you say, they really went to that well time and time again yeah. last time, and we were speculating before who we who they would get and I think we were there was a couple of decent ones you know Victoria was the one that stands out as being good but we were really scraping the barrel when you took about when you talk yeah, about Summer had... Ray coming back it's like oh do me a favour um, we did that didn't we? we had, we had Melina I think Karma was Melina, the Melina had, Karma Victoria a might be quite good yeah but like yeah. the point is I think they deliberately went and shied away from it and used NXT and NXT UK to bolster it it was the right move um and I thought there was a lot of talent in there. Oh, I, th- I think it was a, I, I think it was a very acceptable move to say we can stand on our own two feet. We don't need to rely on yeah. you know nostalgia pops. So I, that I approve of. I just I just didn't find it very interesting at all. I the, the the same gripe you have for the men's one, I have for the women's one. Until Becky got in, I felt like I spent an hour going. Where's yeah, Becky? I agree. And and it was. Uh, I think you need other stuff to be going on in there. They didn't they didn't for example. You know, put um, Kari Sane as number one and have her last nearly until the end and tell a story about her. You know, they didn't have you know the breakup of of Sasha and Bailey. Not I'm saying that they should have. Um, you know, they didn't have any. You know, I didn't think there was anything meaningful at all in the women's one until Becky came out. Um, and in terms of her story, the only thing I would be ever so slightly critical of, I I don't I actually a lot of people are saying oh she shouldn't have lost on the way to having a WrestleMania match with Ronda. I actually don't really have a problem with that because Becky's character isn't really unbeatable. You know, some people's character, you know, whether it's a Goldberg or a Brock Lesnar or you know whomever, some people have that I don't lose, you know, part of their character, don't, don't they? Yeah. And that's how they get over by winning all the time. Some don't, you know, and there's like plenty of people in the past to become massive stars and I'm thinking people like Rick Flair and Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and you know lots of other people in the past Rey Mysterio have become you know Chris Benoit Eddie Guerrero there's lots of great champions that have won Raw Rumbles and got on to win at Wrestlemania that haven't got over by winning every week like like Hogan did like Austin did like others and I, I kind of think of Becky in that sort of class where Becky's lost a lot over the you know five six years she's been in WWE but it's not affected her popularity. In fact, it's you know, if anything, it's gone the opposite way because people have rallied around her. So I don't have an issue with her losing. What I have an issue with is her tapping out. Okay. I, there is just something about baby faces tapping out, which say, "I tapped out because the other person is better than me, because I, I couldn't do anything but tap out because they're so good." Because baby, generally speaking, baby faces don't tap out. Correct. Baby faces lose, you know, other ways. They don't tap out. He, he was tap out. Hence the you tapped out chance as a as a thing, a thing of derision. Um, what I thought they could have done was have Becky go for something big because she knew she had to go for something big to beat Asuka, miss it, and then Asuka get her with a small package or with a you know some sort of clever re- basically beat it with a wrestling move and say that okay on the night Asuka was better, 
She's a, possibly a better wrestler, but she's not tougher. I, I thought be, beating Becky by tap out kind of said Asuka's tougher than Becky. And I think actually Becky going into WrestleMania, if you were doing this as a sporting event and looking at it as a form thing, you know, if you're going, like, again, we'll use the Super Bowl as an example. You know, if you were going into it saying, okay, again, I'll get all these things wrong, by the way, everybody, but I'm just using it as an example. If um, the Jets were going into the Super Bowl, you know, against the Patriots, and everyone was saying, well, the Jets are a good side, but when they play against a good rushing team, they always get beat, and the Patriots have got a good rushing game. I don't know if that's true, but I'm saying if that was true, that's something you would look at, isn't it? You'd look at a little yes. form thing yeah. and say, you know, was that factor in? If I was looking at purely from a kayfabe form perspective... I would look at Becky Lynch and say, well, she's tough, but she got beat last time by a submission, so therefore Ronda's clearly favourite. Ronda will tap her out. And, okay, WWE does this kind of, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll bait you into one thing and then switch you, but what they should be doing is going, this is why Becky's got a chance, not this is why she'll probably lose. And then, oh, look, she won. Uh, they should be saying, you know, Becky's tough. Like, one of the best endings ever to get anyone over, and I mean, in the history of professional wrestling, WrestleMania 13. Brett versus Austin. Austin didn't. Austin didn't. That would have been totally and utterly different to Austin's career if he had ended by saying, "Bear in mind, he didn't have tap outs." That's basically when tap outs were invented around about there because Shamrock yes. joined. There was no tap outs before Shamrock. Um, it was just you said yes and the ref rang the bell. Or if you'd have done it as an I quit match or something, he said it on the microphone. But if Austin had said I quit, if Austin had tapped, if Austin had lost by submission. The whole Austin era is totally different because Bret Hart would have been a better man than Austin. As it was, he was the experienced vet who put him in a hold. But the reason Austin got over was because he wouldn't give up. And he bled and he held on and he nearly kicked out and he didn't. But by glory, what a tough guy. And as Bret was beating him up afterwards, you know, Jim Ross is there on the, on the commentary going, well, Bret might have beaten him, but Steve Austin is a man. He wouldn't. He wouldn't give up. And that got Austin over. And so I just think you could have done... Asuka could have knocked Becky... You know, Becky could have lost by chokeout, possibly. Or by an inside cradle or something. I just thought it was a strange decision to have her tap out. And I know you could say, okay, she wins, and then down the line you do Becky versus Asuka, and it means more. Fine. But I just think if you are building up someone to be your main, quote, man going into WrestleMania, I wouldn't have tapped them out. Why, where's the rebuttal on that? I haven't got one. Well, no, no, you're right. I, think, no, I just think you're absolutely right. I think it's it's a it's a very fair point. I the obvious answer would have been to just do the Steve Austin copy, wouldn't it? But I just think they've got to be very careful that she doesn't become Stone Cold Becky Lynch because great, yeah, I mean, great, yeah, that is great she yeah. is. Do not compare her to possibly the greatest of all time because the comparisons aren't always going to end well for her. So I, I think it's a good move that they didn't <laughs> do that. But um, why they couldn't have done like you're saying why they couldn't have made it look a bit stronger I don't really know no the thing is you're right to an extent I certainly wouldn't have done it exactly the same way we're not you know for a start we're not going to do any blood and you wouldn't have wanted to do too many uh, you know exact c comparisons but I wouldn't be too averse to going down the you know the fair you know things that are fair she's even you know her the man shirt I don't think it's any coincidence basically it's an Austin 316 no, of course shirt it. as in as in it's black with block white lettering yeah. you know that's the same shirt it's just the the, the words are different um, it is clearly what she's going for I actually think what she what she is years ago when we had the Hooked on Wrestling magazine we used to do a feature called Recipe for a Wrestler 
and we used to say like for example you would take someone like Dolph Ziggler and say he is so many parts Shawn Michaels so many parts Kurt Hennig so many parts Billy Gunn or whatever it was and you know we would come up with the composite that's where they've come from I actually look at Becky and I think what she's done amazingly well is she's basically she's taken Steve Austin and she's taken Conor McGregor yeah 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 now it's very very easy to say Conor McGregor because they both happen to be Irish but there are ways in the way she speaks to people backstage you know there's been certain things just lately where she's just blown people off isn't she and it's like it's the old mic drop thing without actually dropping the mic but she's just said something really rude to someone blah 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 off to their face and I've gone wow that's McGregor oh totally and bear in mind I can't, I can't stand Conor, Conor McGregor I think he's an absolute asshole. but I won't deny he's got a very very popular you know, f- you know fan base around the world and he's a big star so there are worse people to copy even if it's someone that I would boo rather than cheer um, you know so I think I think there's a part of McGregor going on I think that's her and I think there's a part of Austin going on and I think that's the creative because I don't think creative staff in WWE would go let's make her like Conor McGregor but I do think they would say let's make a like Steve Austin. Mm. And actually, although you say let's not, you know, go too far down that road, it really, it really wouldn't bother me if the last image of SmackDown on the Tuesday before WrestleMania <laughs> was Austin in the ring drinking a beer with Becky <laughs> and saying she's my girl, she's gonna, she's gonna win. You know, I honestly wouldn't have an issue with that. It'd be interesting. Um, it would be interesting. But I think you're right. I think what you said there about it being a crossover between Austin and McGregor is very interesting because I think and I think they're doing this deliberately I think it's going more down the McGregor route and I think it probably is a lot because of the connection with the accent I think that's the that's probably the easy connection for some of the guys in creative to make but in reality it's not that it's the attitude um, mm. and what's easy to forget nowadays because Conor McGregor is such a dick is that until he and until rel- relatively recently he towed a very fine line he was arrogant and dismissive but he was also highly entertaining and respectful at the right times. And also, mm. a bloody killer. Whatever he said, he could back yeah. it up in the ring. Times yeah. have changed. Was. That's was. was. He, yeah, that doesn't, that was. doesn't apply to the last times two years. Times have changed. Yeah. He, he, obviously, he's, not as, he's lost three times over, you know, to various opponents. What, Diaz, uh, Mayweather and um, Khabib. So that's not, her, yeah. that's not helped him. But more importantly that line that he straddled so expertly for so many years he has leapt across with a plomb um he's not a good bloke now you know i've 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 had face to face dealings with conor mcgregor i know exactly what he's like um and i used to be a huge fan but since really since the mayweather fight he started believing his own hype i think and and what he comes out with just is is just makes me want to want him to get the his head knocked off Basically, yeah. which which is which actually in the world of pay per view is not a bad thing either. It still sells pay per views. Um, but yeah, you're talking. This is a reality, you know, situation rather yeah. than an act that's put on by, by WWE. Um, in terms, I think he went over. You said it was around about the the, the uh, Mayweather thing. I think it was probably when he attacked that bus that really made him look like a absolute. Well, player. that was after the um, Mayweather thing, wasn't it? But you're right. It's all that's what, it's all part yeah. of the same thing. And I just think that if they if they if Becky is channeling that early McGregor when he first started to become into the international consciousness, which I think she is, then I think that's a great shout. Uh, I do as well. And I actually, I actually think you could argue there's a little bit of Austin in McGregor. Oh, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Is that, 100%. You know, and I, I don't know how much of, you know, I know he, he slags off wrestling online, but I suspect that Connor knows more about wrestling than he does. Oh, I wouldn't, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a wrestling fan. I don't know whether he is or he isn't, but he's certainly a wrestling um 
he's, he's knowledgeable and he's and he's, he's a businessman and he's seen what he can take from he he saw what was lacking in UFC and what made WWE a boxer of success and took those elements brought them into UFC and created a phenom out of it um yeah. well even even his walk is the, his walk is the bloody of course it is strut, isn't of course it? it is and so but Anyway, what I'm getting is one specific moment. Bear in mind, I, I say all of this, um, listeners, as a non-MMA guy. I, I don't watch MMA. I don't like it. I'm not fussed by it. But I'm aware of its crossovers with, with, um, with wrestling. And so I pay attention to it to, a, to an extent because I don't want to be an, you know, too ignorant. Um, there is one thing that sticks out with me that McGregor did, which I felt, to me, as a person, my internal um, you know, characteristics went, what a prat but I certainly recognise online that people went, wow, this is quite cool. In a similar way to you have a footballer like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who says things that are quite, you know, seemingly arrogant to some people, but other people go, oh, legend. So the kind of people that would go legend to Conor McGregor may well be fans of Becky Lynch. And there was a press conference, I think with more like four, five, six people. I seem to remember the the set looked a bit like blankety blank, not blank, yeah, blankety (laughs) blank. But there was sort of like three here and three there. And someone was going, I think this. Who the fuck is that guy? Oh, that's exactly what I was, I was going to apologise before I swore, <laughs> um, which, which you didn't. But that's what he did, didn't he? He went, who the fuck is that? And I th- that was a very, very funny moment. Now, I don't approve of it because it's a pretty rude thing to say. But in terms of the way he did it and to make himself look like a star, it was, you know, it was not a very good business move. Why? Because it's that whole, it's that whole thing of, you know, why would you talk down someone you might end up fighting one day? Because you just, you either beat a bum or you'll get beaten by a bum. You need to talk them up rather than talk them down. But, but it, you know, it, rem- it reminded me of. Do you remember there was a Survivor Series match once with them? Um, oh yeah, Mike Knox. DX, Who was D- that? DX were in, and Shawn Michaels, <laughs> yeah, super, Shawn Michaels just super kicked him and went, yeah. "Who's that?" <laughs> like, really like Mike Knox. He was like. Now, it, hilarious, but he did nothing with Mike Knox. Well, no, shattered it, it, but it was, you know, who cares? It was yeah. worth the moment. Okay, well, that's depending on your <laughs> point of view, you see. See, I, I would go, that's a bit harsh, whereas you would go, hilarious. And I actually think most people would go, hilarious. So, if Becky, you know, does take those sort of, the right Conor McGregor traits, and I definitely think that there's an element of who the fuck is this guy in some of her, you know, I'm not talking to you, you know, you know, pieing people off backstage um, yep. segments. So, you know, no no complaints on any of those scores. Um, bringing it back to the Rumble... You know, it's a small complaint about her um, tapping out, but it's a small one. I wouldn't have done it, but I don't think it's you know, it's not the, it's not changing her reaction. Um, she's still getting a huge reaction, um, and very quickly because we've talked about it before. But I think we want to reinforce it. Um, this is the correct decision for the main event, as in the last match on the Sunday, as far as I'm concerned, um, because quite frankly, you put your most over act versus your most highly paid act. I would say bar one. Brock is probably still the highest paid, but I would say R- Rousey is probably the highest paid member on the full-time yeah, roster sure. now. Uh, and so you put your highest paid um, and you know wrestler with the most star power outside of wrestling against your most over wrestler in the company, and that goes on last. I don't care if that's you know um, you know Zack Ryder versus the returning Yoshi Tatsu, or whether that's you know Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch. If that's the equation, then you do it, and that's what what it adds up to obviously there's the fly in the ointment about the the whole do they add Charlotte thing but I think that's something we can just we'll let roll for the time being we've done enough chat about that but to me it's the main event it's 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 she's leading on Raw all the time she's on both shows they I think they're starting to get it no question about it and it's not like you know I remember last year 
it wasn't just me. There was loads of us having the conversation about how the fact that you know it looked like Charlotte or Asuka versus Ronda Rousey would be the main event of this WrestleMania. We said it on this podcast, um, and, and you know that might well have that probably was the plan, frankly. But now we're coming into WrestleMania season, and there is absolutely no question for the first time in a long time, actually. There's no question what the WrestleMania main event is. There just isn't. It's, or at least what it should. No, no, it should no. Be. What it is. It is. Let's. let's no, well, let's, without. With, no, come on. Uh, you, well, we we don't know. We don't know that Brock Lesnar doesn't have something in his contract that says I have to go on last at WrestleMania. Well, but, apart from the know. one I went to where he uh, didn't, although he was under an, under a different contract then. So, but you're right. But you, no, I think you know I I don't think that'd be in his contract. I don't think he was a shit. No, I think that I'm talking in definitives now. Um, that is the WrestleMania main event. Whether it includes Charlotte or not, I'm less sure about that. But Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch are going to be in the final match at WrestleMania. I would bet my yeah, life on it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's. Um, I would. I would also bet your life. <laughs> um, but but I, I do think it. I do think it's going to happen. And but here's the point: it should not no. because of how highly paid Ronda is. Although I just factored it in a second ago. But not because of that. Not because of how it plays to the ESPN Sports Center audience. Not because of you know attracting UFC fans. Not because of being PC. Not because it's good for the women's evolution. Evolution. Um, because it's the right thing to do. It's the it's the match with the most interest, yep. and that's why. And wouldn't be and wouldn't it be great if in the run up to it they didn't mention it once that it was the first ever female main event of WrestleMania? By all means, crow about it afterwards. But wouldn't it be great if they just didn't? Wouldn't it be great yeah, if they? Just, they will. Of course they, they will. will. Wouldn't though. it be great if they just let it get there organically because it deserves to be there rather than because of their gender? Like, wouldn't it be amazing yeah. if Becky Lynch against Ronda against maybe against Charlotte was the main event at WrestleMania just because it is fucking awesome? Yeah. Um, and you know, it won't be to an extent. It won't be. It's gonna. It's gonna have that you know, women's revolution stamp on it. And fine, whatever. But it'd be awesome. It, it would serve the women so much better if it didn't. Mm. It would. You're right, and, and yeah, longer term, it would. It would certainly. I think that's that. Go, we could have a. We could have a societal debate here about how, uh, you know, certain differences in society are are portrayed, and you know, and how that. Um, I think you know, making a big thing out of small things actually makes the problem worse rather than better. Um, and I'll use that in a second to take because I want to talk about the, uh, you know, the the new comma vegan, you know, hemp loving Daniel Bryan in just a second. <laughs> Let's go for it. Uh, We'll do that in just a second, but just to, to, I want to wrap up the rumbles, um, just to find the, the point that I went to before, which was that you know, okay, I don't think this is going to be a memorable year in terms of in the future. We'll be saying our favourite Royal Rumbles are you know ninety two, two thousand and one, and twenty nineteen, um, but I didn't have a problem with it because I, I just felt there have been years where it's been a bad Rumble and Alberto Del Rio as well. Mm, yeah, do, do you know what I mean? And it's like we had a few years of. You know, heel Raw Rumble winners winning, you know, Rumbles which were boring, or you know, probably the worst Rumble of all, which was the, you know, Big Show and Kane walking around the ring dumping oh, people. God, yeah. That was 2015. And then, wasn't it? And, and then, and then Roman winning anyway, and it was like that was just that was the worst. I mean, not that I was a Roman Reigns hater, but it was a it was someone that people didn't want to win winning, and the just the most <laughs> tedious Rumble of the Big Show and Kane dominating, and it was like we've had we had a lot of bad Rumbles. Up until last year, when it was, which was a cracker, um, and so I think I would forgive. On the second year of having two matches on the same night, I would forgive them to having two relatively functional Royal Rumble matches um, with sensible babyface winners. I think it's a, 
it's, it doesn't make it the greatest Royal Rumble of all time, but I do think it in my eyes I am willing to accept it and say okay you've made the right choices going on to Wrestlemania I, I see your point about not being excited by Brock versus Seth but who would you be excited about seeing that's that's part of the issue isn't it there, there are not enough over acts in the company every year you know it feels like in the old days I hate doing that by the way I've just done something I really detest doing but there did feel like a time where there was always an obvious act that would go towards WrestleMania, whether it was Shawn Michaels and the Boyhood Dream, or whether it was Austin before he was crowned, or whether it was because the Rock and Austin were the two biggest stars in the company. You know, there was always seemed to be someone that was the right person going towards WrestleMania, even pre the Rumble being the thing. You know, when it was Warrior Hogan or, or whatever, there always seemed to be that one obvious thing. I don't feel that there is one in the men's game. Right well, I'm glad you. I'm glad yeah, you it, clarified it, it at the end there. Yeah, because yeah, clearly Becky is as as, as big a one as has ever been. But I'm saying, in terms of the men's game, you know, even over the last couple of years, it's kind of obviously been Roman, or it's obviously been, you know, the, the match between Goldberg and Lesnar, or, or whatever. There's there's been something that's an obvious trait, good or bad, in, in the people's eyes. Clearly, Daniel Bryan, you know, back in uh, you know WrestleMania 31 or wherever it was. 30. 30. Um, uh, you know, there just isn't one this year, and and it. You know, even if The Rock came back, or even if Roman, you know, recovered from his illness, or if Dean Ambrose agreed to stay, or you know, the only way there would have been one is if you know we'd have had the miraculous debut of Kenny Omega. Do you know what I mean? And even then, I don't think they'd have put him straight in the title match at Mania. So, um, you know, there just isn't one. So I think Rollins, to me, is as, is as good as anyone that they could do with. Well, I will, yeah, I don't, I don't massively disagree with that. But given if they'd have done tweaked programming a little bit in the few weeks before the Rumble, I think Drew McIntyre could have easily been that guy. Yeah, I, I, point taken. But once again, when we had that discussion, he's a heel. Yeah, fair point. And it's like you need to have a big baby face hero being challenged by the threat of Drew McIntyre. True. Not, not we need to knock this Lesnar guy off his perch. So that needs a baby face plucky underdog, and that's what Rollins is. Whether Rollins wins or not, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. You need to have that belief that he's going to. And actually, let's use that to bring us on to what was my favourite match of the night. Favourite. Not necessarily best, but favourite, because I just thought they did such a good job of it. I absolutely loved the hell out of Finn Balor versus Oh, it was cracking. It was great. It was loved it. And it's and it's polarizing. I've seen plenty of people go, oh, same old Brock stuff wins. No, blah, it wasn't. Blah, blah. I just think that's totally wrong. I thought it was a tremendous match. It wasn't the same old Brock stuff at all. In fact, the last couple of pay-per-views where it's been him against the smaller guys, Brian and uh, Bala, have been brilliant. They've been um, they've been a breath of fresh. It's been the old Brock Lesnar, pre-Suplex City Brock Lesnar. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I totally would challenge anyone that that suggested that uh, that it was anything but that to be honest I thought it was, I thought, I I thought it was I... awesome I thought it was a really selfless performance by Lesnar clearly he was he was keen to work with Bala um, I, th- I thought it was brilliant mate I thought I really really enjoyed it great length as well well I don't know him that well <laughs> but um, yes. I, I, I just it was I yeah it was the right length you're right it was about 7 or 8 minutes was it something about like that 10, but, but yes yeah. You, it was totally believable for parts of that match that Finn Balor could win. Now, we can go a little bit deeper and go, oh, well, actually, Lesnar's going to be in the WrestleMania main event, and they, they're not going to have him win unless he's the demon. We can do all of our smart-ass bits that we do. But generally speaking, if you're a relatively casual fan and someone who doesn't you know, read, read internet sites and listen to us drone on on podcasts, then 
I think it was believable, and maybe not in the build-up. I'm not saying the whole David Goliath thing necessarily did the trick, but I thought it was believable in the moment that that Finn Balor could win that match. You know, I would not have, you know, in the run-up to it, I'd have taken any bet with you that Lesnar would win. But four minutes into that match, oh, I don't think I'd have taken that bet. I think, but Lesnar was drifting and running, and then clearly once he caught him and put him in that hole, then it was. And it was the end. Now I don't have an issue. We're talking about you know baby faces tapping. I don't have an issue with Finn Balor tapping to Brock Lesnar, because Brock Lesnar is twice the size of Finn Balor, and clearly he should you know he should tap him out. That's not a problem. I don't, it's not the same thing as Becky, who is the same size as Asuka, is actually slightly bigger than Ronda. Um, you know there is a difference there. Finn should not be able to you know res, you know hold out to that kind of thing. But I, what I loved was that Lesnar didn't dominate him, and then Finn had a comeback. Just Finn just kicked the shit out of him for ten minutes. And then Lesnar caught him. I, I, I just thought that was magnificent. That was uh, It was not dissimilar, by the way, going back to my lack of MMA knowledge, but do I not recall that Lesnar's first ever MMA fight, did he not dominate and then matey caught him? Uh, I don't remember the guy's name. Yes. Well, was it Frank Mir? Frank, Frank Mir, was Frank that Mir yeah, that's exactly what it was, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly how it was. I seem to... Because the only MMA fights I've ever really watched have been, you know, with former wrestling guys who I've watched Batista and CM Punk that was his first UFC fight um, your first UFC yeah. fight yeah I should point that out rather than the first MMA fight but I seem to remember him dominating and then getting caught by some arm bar or whatever it yep. was and and the and the commentator's going well that's just his lack of experience he, he, he clearly battered him but you know the guy caught him that's just the way it goes and it's a little bit like you know a football team that's on the attack all game but can't score and then the other, the other lot go down the end and score at the end and win one nil. That happens all the time, yeah. I and mean, it's you know I, I I love a good sports story. You know when you get a match that tells a proper story that you could believe, and the very fact that I can give you a parallel from other sports, to me tells me that they did something right with it. And I thought that you you made the best point there, which is Brock's selflessness. People want to rag on Brock Lesnar for not turning up enough, for taking the money, for not defending the belt, for not wrestling house shows. That's fine. That's people's opinion. I'm not saying they're wrong for that, but they occasionally stray into the Brock isn't a very good professional wrestler conversation. Mm, and actually, his matches, his matches over the last little while, correct, haven't been all that great. But I'm not convinced it's been his fault always. Sometimes it's been the chemistry. Sometimes it's been the story. This was a very clearly defined Brock. Sell the shit... You know, you know, shell the shit out of Finn for ten minutes, then stick him in the Kimura. Yep. No problem, boss. And he was wonderful, wonderful. And then he looked like an ass afterwards as well. Really being a right smug bastard afterwards and rubbing yep. it in. And again, good, good commentary because they said the only reason Lesnar's doing this is because Finn frightened him. Yep. Not because because he's evil, because Finn frightened him and he's having to reassert himself because that's what bullies do. And I love that. Well, I'm in full agreement. The question is, you know, do they do almost exactly the same thing with Seth? You know, will will Seth do almost exactly the same thing? Kick out of a couple of F5s, but then Brock Lesnar beats him? Uh, or do they really, really think that Seth is the one to, you know, to knock him off his perch? We don't really know, I suppose, Lesnar's, you know, situation, do we? There's lots of r- rumours knocking around about Ronda and whether or not she'll, you know, be gone after WrestleMania. Um, you know, but here we have... You know, here we have a situation where it's all, always seemed to be, okay, well, you know, Le- Lesnar's going to lose the title at WrestleMania, but I don't know. I'm not convinced it's def- definitely going to happen. I think the big challenge from now until WrestleMania is basically convincing the world that Rollins is capable. 
Um, yeah, I, I I think that it's heating him up again. This time last year, he was in pretty good nick, I would say. Um, and I just don't think he's quite there at the minute. I think he's he's clearly in Roman shoes. I'm not sure what the uh, maybe it would have been Seth Roman at um, at WrestleMania if Roman had stayed healthy. But I think they need to do some work. Probably would have been Roman Roman Ambrose, really. But um, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, thank God it's not then, eh? Uh, that would have gone down yeah, like a yeah. shit balloon. Um, mm. But I think that with the right work, they can get Seth there quite easily. The fans want to like Seth Rollins and they want to believe in him, and he's very good at what he does. But he's not quite there right now. Um, I don't. I'm not worried though. I think give it three weeks, and I think he absolutely will be. Yeah, I think they can do it. I think it's. Um... It's something that's uh, that, that's possible. Um, so that that one's kind of um, that's penciled in, or it's not penciled in. It's it's in uh, it's in rather a, a nice biro, and that's in the uh, the WrestleMania book. But uh, at the moment, Daniel Bryan uh, is not sitting and waiting for the winner of the Elimination Chamber to be his opponent. He's in the Elimination Chamber. Uh, he is one of the six. You would kind of think that it's more likely than not that he would win it and go on. Uh, and then face someone at um, WrestleMania, but I can scarcely recall the uh, the title picture on one of the main titles being quite so murky this close to WrestleMania. I know you can say, okay, it's still eight weeks away, but I kind of feel like we don't really have any sort of bubbling under storyline even, do we, to, to take us somewhere. So whatever they do, they're going to have to do it in about six weeks or so after the after the elimination yeah chamber. well I don't again I don't I don't have a problem with that I think that's a nice time frame to establish a challenge without getting elongated and, and long I, I like that a lot actually but um, you're right in saying there's no massively clear contender um, there's two very obvious ones I want to see um, in that slot against Vegas by the way Brian how fantastic has Daniel Bryan been fantastic doesn't even doesn't even do it justice he's been absolutely amazing um, I would like to see that challenger either be John Cena which we've discussed before very easy feud to put together or a babyface wrecking ball Samoa Joe they're my two I'd love I, I would love to see that that Joe you know figure I just I don't I don't see that a they see Joe, Joe as a world title candidate at Wrestlemania especially has I mean given that he's had two or three Wrestle, uh, he's had two or three world title opportunities against AJ Styles I feel like the the Samoa Joe as challenger thing has been done I agree that as a babyface it'd be different I agree that the match would absolutely tear the house down but I just I don't think they see Joe like that nor do I um, unfortunately uh, I would also say that what, to make this job a little bit harder, I suppose they haven't really got the GMs the same as as, as previously with, you know, with uh, with Kurt and with Paige and and you know with Steph on one show and, and Shane on the other. They theoretically, SmackDown should be saying, "Hang on, how our biggest talent has won a Raw Rumble and is off to Raw basically, or is off to face the Raw champion." And whereas the other Raw champion is being faced by a Raw guy, so SmackDown should be saying, "We've got the haha, Raw end of this. We should have someone from Raw." So you could have another. Let's say AJ Styles won the Elimination Chamber mm. and got his title and got his title back. That could then be uh, we trade Drew McIntyre to SmackDown. I like that. You know, that's that's an interesting uh, that point. Would be, that, I don't think I don't for, for a second think they're going to do that. I have a feeling we're going to see something like Kurt Angle versus Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania, 
um, you know, in a retirement match. And then and then Drew gets the bragging rights of I retired Kurt Angle, which I'm not certain he might have done in TNA as well. <laughs> but I can't remember. I can't remember exactly no, that how was that Bobby Lashley, I think, I think was his last match. Oh, it was like it was it was it was Lashley. In fact, I think Drew might have been. Modry might have been on his side around about then. It's funny that all all of the people. The last time I went to see a TNA show, which was about three or four years ago, I seem to remember that the four dominant um, players on that show were Kurt Angle, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. And Incredible, isn't it? And they were all basically used within about twenty Incredible. minutes. Incredible, and, other, and then Jeff Jarrett's not. there as well. <laughs> yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah, I never thought about that. Oh, we'll come to that. I'm going to end the podcast <laughs> with that. Um, but uh, yeah, so in terms of you know, I can see that being you know, Drew versus Kurt, or maybe, you know, Corbin again, but uh, I feel like what they did on Monday night is pointing towards that Kurt's last matches at WrestleMania, he loses to someone and that person gets to brag that they killed off yeah. Kurt Angle. Um, but, I could, but I would, you know, in terms of you're putting Drew in a high position, you know, having him go to SmackDown and be a contender for AJ, I think is something that they could do. Um, uh, but I just think it's, it's quite open, um, so I don't think we can go too much into who, what that match is going to be, but it's... Uh, in some ways, it's quite nice that I feel like we're going to watch the Elimination Chamber thinking, well, Daniel Bryan probably wins, but I wouldn't say it's an absolute certainty. Uh, so I think that's quite a nice situation. But yeah, go on, let's have a little chat about him well, one, and his performance. One thing I will say, performance over the last also, one thing I will say before we get into that is that Elimination Chamber, the Elimination Chamber, the SmackDown title, has a sleeper chance to be the best Elimination Chamber of all time, in my opinion. And listen... And I love the Elimination Chamber, by the way. I, so I'm not a big gimmick guy in terms of... I think there are certain matches where I've never liked Survivor Series matches. I hate war games. Um, there's various other things that I go, oh, I've grown at. I love the Elimination Chamber. I, and I, I'm not a big Hell in a Cell guy either, but I think the Elimination Chamber is the best gimmick they've ever done, apart from the Rumble. Um, they usually are great matches. And so, you're, but you're right, the lineup is... It's incredible. It's pretty hot. It's incredible. I hated the way they did it. I hated the way they did it, the same old formula of five blokes walking onto the stage and saying, oh, I want the title shot. No, I want the title shot. And someone going, hey, I know what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, crikey, crikey. That was so formulaic. But I am, I, I like the lineup. Yeah, I think it's, it's unbelievably interesting. Um, the mix of styles, the mix of old and new. I've even, I'm even getting slightly won over by uh, Mustafa Ali now as well. Um, so I'm I'm and really into that. But to your wider point about Daniel Bryan, he's, he's just he's just the perfect heel at the moment, isn't he? You know everything about that act, even including you know Man of the Woods Ro- Rowan being with him, it's just exceptional. I like Rowan with him. It's great um, At the time, at the time I was again. That's another example of that Rumble being a functional Rumble. So. You could say, well, they should have given AJ Styles Daniel Bryan 35 minutes and let them have an all-time great. Yeah, they could have done that, and that would have been really, really fun. But actually, all it would have done is got Daniel Bryan over as a great wrestler, and he's meant to be a yep. heel. So, in the short term, did it piss you off that Eric Rowan came out and helped him? I bet it did. And if it did, it did its job. Stop being such a mark and get over... I'm not talking to you, Paul. I'm talking, generally speaking, you know, if you are really, really, really pissed off that Eric Rowan came down that is what you're supposed to feel and don't go yes but I mean from a perspective of no 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 that's what you're supposed to feel you know sometimes you need to embrace the, the natural feeling and that was the right it was the right thing to do I think Eric Rowan is an instinctively dislikable character I think there's something you want to boo about him because he's kind of emotionless and looks stupid um, I rather like that <laughs> I think that's a good way of being 
Um, and Daniel Bryan is an absolute classic character that needs what I believe. I'm not ever sure about this term. I don't want to be too insider about things, but they, I think they use the word heater, don't they? Do. For someone like that, for someone like Rowan, is it someone that can be, you know, basically a big bastard that stands alongside him? You know, I think some of the um, the better examples. Um, again, we often refer to the. Uh, uh, the Bruce Pritchard podcast on on this show, not just because we're trying to piggyback, but because we worked with Bruce, uh, Bruce and Conrad a couple of years ago, and we're big fans of the show. Um, they recently did a show all about Sid Justice, Sid Judy, Sid Vicious, yep. Psycho Sid, call him what you will, and they brought up which what I thought was a really good point was that Sid's run as Sean's bodyguard in the run up to WrestleMania 11 is a highly underrated part of Sid's career. I thought Sid was absolutely magnificent in that role. I would argue better than Diesel. I thought Sid was terrific in yep. that role, and it it, re- it really benefits Sean throughout that run of having Diesel as backup to help him win matches, and then a ready-made opponent when Diesel turned babyface, and then Sid in that position, and then a ready-made opponent when Sid attacked Sean, turning Sean babyface, and you know that's all you know. We have seen worse examples of it, you know, various different times where it's not really worked. But, you know, there are certain people that work well with someone else. We talked on the show a couple of weeks ago about all of the best moments that The Miz has ever had have been when The Miz has had someone to play off. I'm not saying a big bodyguard figure, but, you know, when it's been Alex Riley or Damian Sandow or whoever. Um, I think Dolph Ziggler is another example of having lots of different times where he's had someone to play off. And, you know, whether it was, you know, a, a valet like an AJ Lee or, a, you know, a big guy like Biggie Langston, although they happened at the same time. Um, and I think Daniel Bryan as a, as a heel could really benefit from that. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Plus, you have that ready-made match, you know, for any babyface that challenges Daniel Bryan, where you've got to beat Eric Rowan first. You know, that's always been the beauty of the of the faction. You know, to beat Flair, you've got to go through Arn, and you've got to go through Tully, and you've got to, you know, it's it's a, it's a really sensible thing to do to build up heel opponents so the the charging hero babyface can't quite get to the nasty piece to work with the belt and eventually he gets there um, you know they even did that you know sort of the other way around this week with, with Leo Rush didn't they Finn Balor had to beat That's Leo right. Rush before he could That's get right. to Bobby Lashley so you know it, it works as a as a way of doing things either a big guy with a little weasel with him or whether it's a little guy with a big monster with him but I never saw it coming uh, obviously once he walked down to the ring you could see what was going to happen I kind of wish that Rowan would have come out with him from the start, you know. No, just come it's out classic. Him. It was classic. No, no, because it it was almost like well, I to me it, it kills logic of well, what if, um, what if AJ Styles had to beat him after seven? Well, minutes? so what? You know, it's, you you got to suspend can, your disbelief in Rowan, certain situations. No, I don't think I don't think you have. I think you need to. You need. I've told you before. If you were ever booking a, a wrestling show, the first person I would recommend to have on your team is your son, <laughs> because. Because I've always said that booking teams should have a five-year-old child on them, because the five-year-old would go, "Well, that wouldn't happen. Well, why did that happen then?" They they will see things with much more black and white and with no um, prejudice. And a five-year-old, maybe not a five-year-old, but a nine-year-old would watch that match and go, "Well, that's convenient, isn't it? That the ref bump happened straight after he came down." You know, what would have happened if he'd have been not been there from the start? I've always hated that when someone wanders down 20 minutes in and then affects the finish. It's like, if you were going to affect the finish, why aren't you there from the start? I'm saying Rowan comes out with Daniel Bryan and then you can go, wow, this is a new dimension. We didn't expect to see this. Who's he? <clears throat> What's his agenda? Why is he there? Is that going to affect AJ's game plan? 
You know, have AJ keep looking over at him and not be sure, and that catches him out a couple of times, and Daniel Bryan hits him from behind. It's a much better way of telling a story rather than just someone wanders out, ref falls over, chokeslam finish. It's, it's, it's just really uncreative, really lazy. Um, you know, again, but it's it's a little bit like my gripe about Becky tapping out. Whether I'd, I would have had it done differently, I, I thought it was the right thing to do. I just thought there was a, 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 a meta detail that you could have done it slightly differently. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's talk about the belt. What do you think of the belt? Are you going to get a hemp belt? <laughs> well, I'm certainly not going to buy one, but I do like it. I'm not normally a fan of custom titles. I like I like it to be the title. Um, Agreed. But I will make an absolute exception for this one because it. But he's a heel. Because it makes sense. It makes. He's a heel. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to like him. So, you're supposed to well, like the title, and you're supposed to hate him. Totally. And I don't only like it just because they do it for cosmetic reasons, but in this sense literally he would be a hypocrite as a as a heel if he's going around with his piece of leather thrown over his shoulder well well you could here's, here's my slight I love the belt I think it's a great touch I think it's the kind of thing the character would do I really like that but what I do think is the slight problem with Daniel Bryan the new Daniel Bryan I think he could do with being a bit more of a hypocrite because the trouble is I would argue it's true that most people that watch wrestling, indeed most people, probably eat meat. And so when he's preaching about all this stuff that you shouldn't kill Daisy the cow and you shouldn't you shouldn't wear leather, most people probably have a steak on a Saturday and have well from time to time and have a leather jacket and wear leather shoes and have leather upholstery in their cars. And so they're going to go, yeah, boo Daniel Bryan, boo. But some, do you know what? Some people somewhere around the world agree with Daniel Bryan. And quite a lot of people agree with Daniel Bryan. There are a lot of vegans around. It's not a bad thing to be a vegan. It's a bad thing to be a dick, right? And I think they need to emphasise the dick portion of his character rather than his opinions on things. Because I don't, I don't agree with his opinions, but I don't think his opinions are necessarily wrong. To me, it's a little bit like him coming out and trying to be a heel because he likes golf. <laughs> and it's like, well, I... I admit that most people don't like golf, but I do. And I'm not going to boo someone that likes golf because I like it. And so I think vegans with you know, and people that are very much, you know, not friends of the earth, I'm making that sound a little bit sort of trite, you know, eco-warrior. But there will be people that are, you know, very right-thinking, very earnest, sensible members of our society that happen to agree with a lot of things that Daniel Bryan is saying. And it absolutely smacks to me of... Um, when CM Punk was, you know, trying to make a, you know, a heel, sorry, you know, clean heel, as in, it's he was saying it's wrong to drink, it's wrong to take drugs, and that was meant to make you boo him. And it's like, well, there's lots of people that don't take drugs and don't drink, thank you very much. The point was, is that CM Punk was a twat, and when he was doing the Straight Edge Society, he was a brilliant heel because he was a horrible, nasty piece of work, and happened to have these beliefs. What they need to do is have Daniel Bryan be a hypocrite from time to time. Now, I'm not saying you know, he, he then walks out in a, in a pair of patent leather shoes because that's not true to the character. But it wouldn't be the worst thing to, in the world if he got a private jet somewhere. You know, they filmed him getting a private jet somewhere and then they went, hang on, you're into saving the earth and everything, but how big is your carbon footprint from getting that, you know, that flight? And he, and then he then says, well, I won't want to be associated with the plebs and the ordinary people. And then someone goes, no, you're a hypocrite, mate. Or, at the very least, he's just really, really unpleasant to people, you know, so over-the-top unpleasant that people go, you're doing one nice thing, but on the other hand, you're a hypocrite. I, I just don't think he's nasty enough. The character is nasty enough. 
And I think he's too good a wrestler that eventually people will just start cheering him again. I think he's doing the best job he can. I think he's in a wonderful job as an individual, but I don't think he's being given the greatest um, material to be doing it. I feel like he's doing it on his own, and I don't think it... <laughs> Here's a great quote, and I don't mean this. I don't think it's sustainable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not talking for... I'm not talking fossil fuels, but I don't think it's the same. I disagree on that one. I think he, I think the fact that he is virtuous makes him so much more of a heel because his message is essentially right. He is right, but the way he delivers it is so warped and so condescending and so bitter that that's why you boo him. And to me, that's the real skill of the character. Like when CM Punk was the heel in the Strange Society, the message is true. You know what he was preaching ultimately was was right but it's the it's the delivery and the delivery is what makes him the heel it delivery is great it's perfect it's absolutely perfect and it, you know if he could play the same character as a face and he'd be fairly dull you know preaching you know i think wasn't that what cj robinson no cj what's his chops parker was in nxt before he went to be juice, before he went to be juice yeah. robinson um up in uh, up in new japan but the point is He's not a hypocrite. And the point is he gets more and more frustrated because his his message is right and he fights the good fight in his head and he sticks to his principles and he's doing everything, again, in his head that he should be doing right, but the fans still boo him and reject him. But that's a... No, but that's a baby face. Sticking to your principles and fighting for what you believe in is what John Cena does. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, well, well maybe... It, it's, it, and it's what Hulk Hogan did and it's what Bret Hart did. And that's what Bruno San yeah, Martino but, did. It's what Bob Backlund yes. did. No, that no, no, is no, the no, most no. ultimate baby face Un, character going. Untrue. They they did do that. Of course, everyone's got you know everyone's got principles and beliefs. Whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, you've got you've got a belief system. Those characters all stuck to their belief system, but did not look down on others that didn't didn't match those beliefs. Daniel Bryan does. CM Punk does. I'm sure there's other examples throughout wrestling history that don't I can't quite remember right now. But that's the point. They, you know, it's it's not the fact that they've, they're sticking to their beliefs. It's that they're disgusted with everyone that doesn't. And, and um, you know, for, it sounds a bit childish, but mean and rude to those that don't. That's the difference. And that's the that was what defines. You know, it's not your beliefs that define you. It's it's your look. Again, it's I know Brian takes it to an extreme degree, but how annoying generally, you know, take vegans, right? There's obviously a lot of different types of vegans out there. Being a vegan in itself is obviously very virtuous. But how many vegans do you come across that are so condescending about their veganism? You know, I've had, I remember having an argument at their party years ago with a vegan who was having a go at me for drinking wine. And she was talking and telling me about how she, her wine was vegan because it wasn't filtered through animal bones. And she was such a prick having this conversation. She was such a prick about it that I wanted to go out and buy a hamburger and just eat it slowly in her face. I've got absolutely no problem with veganism. I applaud it. I couldn't do it myself. I think it's very, I think it's very virtuous. But this one was so belittling and so miserable about the whole thing and so unwavering in the fact that some no, that her, there was other ways to live your life than her way that I literally wanted to go out and, eat, and just I wanted to go and shave the skin off a cow and wear it around the party that <laughs> night honestly honestly it made me want to do this. I, wa- I wanted to <laughs> shave the skin off a and cow this is what Daniel Bryan is that is Daniel Bryan is that vegan at that party it's you know there was I was, it was in Brighton right 
I had loads of friends. No, I had loads get of friends on. that were vegans, and I didn't. Yeah, you know, and they were all great people. They had the same belief system as this woman, but it was the meshes they delivered him. Why was she a dick, and none of my friends were dicks? Just because they were, just because they were vegans, it wasn't the fact they were vegans. Just like it's not the fact that Brian's an eco warrior. Um, it is the way they deliver that message. Well, I, I, I want him to deliver that message more condescendingly. Um, I know he's doing, he's doing it well at the moment, but he, again, he's got to sustain it. Um, I want him to have more flaws to his character. I want baby faces to be able to say, you preach this, mate, but you don't do this. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I actually think I'm going to be very, very careful here, but I think there are a lot of, you know, if this was a religious thing, now they're not going to do that because it's too dangerous, but if they did it as a, you know, he was, rather than preaching veganism, he was preaching Christianity... You know, there are a lot of, you know, examples in, you know, in life where you can go, well, hang on, you preach a Christian message because of this. You know, you, you go to church on a Sunday and you preach this, this and this, but you're cheating on your wife. Do you know what I mean? There, there are things like that. And it's like, that's a more general message. They're not saying, he, he would then be saying, his message is don't eat meat, as the as same as a Christian's message or any religious person's message would be believe in God. But you're then not following one of the commandments, as it were. Again, I'm being very careful because I don't yeah, want to get yeah, into yeah. it because it's, it's, very, it's very personal to people, and I'm not I'm not meaning to have a go. But I think Daniel Bryan could stick to his veganist veganistic beliefs. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. But you know, have baby faces go. But you did this though, and that's so horrible because you did. And I don't think he has. I don't think he's enough of a bastard. He talks like one. But I don't think he does enough nasty, horrible things. I'm not saying I want him to be doink and start popping balloons in front of kids' faces. I don't say I want him to be the million-dollar man, you know, not letting the guy bounce the basketball. Right. But I feel like he needs to do more nasty things to people, attack people for no reason, you know, choke out commentators and, you know, and just be a complete bastard and have people go, it's all very well saying it's nice to be nice to Daisy the cow, but what about what you did to so-and-so? What about attacking your old mentor, William Regal, who we brought in to have a, you know, a celebration night? You know, William Regal's going into the Hall of Fame and you attacked him and you choked him out and you dislocated his shoulder. What, you know, very well done for being a vegan, but what sort of asshole does that to their mentor? That's the kind of thing I think he needs, they need to be doing with it. Yeah. You know, I would use, use beloved figures that he can belittle and, and they did that with Punk. You know, Punk had, had goes at people like, you know, Jerry Lawler and like, you know, Bret Hart and they used that kind of thing because... Quite frankly, it's hard to find people on the roster that you can do that with, so you have to go to other people. I want to see more of that from Daniel Bryan. I want to see also. I want to see more of the straight edge means I'm better than you rhetoric. At the moment, he's saying you should be doing this, but I want him saying I am better than all of you, and he's not doing that. In, it's in a bit, but I still want to see a bit more of it. Listen, it's one of those things. I'm being picky because he's so good, and I just think he can be even better. And I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I think that he just needs a little bit more material because I just think ultimately you're talking about having him have a match with Samoa Joe at Wrestlemania well if they do that they'll tear the house down and they'll cheer the hell out of him on Monday Night Raw the following night after yeah, yeah. and he's basically a baby they'll just turn him babyface again because he's such a good wrestler and they, they need to have him be so despicable and you know that's a, a very very hard job but it can be done fair enough Um, I think we'll probably pretty much leave it there I don't think there's you know there's too much to go into else at, at, um, at the Rumble um, unless you've got anything else to, to point out I do want to say the match that we've kind of skidded over which I want to say I thought was a fantastic match was, was Ronda versus Sasha I thought it was a really great match there's nothing to say to analyse it other than to say I just thought it was really really well done and if anyone is still of the belief that Ronda's not a very good wrestler 
your blinkered. Yep. You know, you might want to dislike her because of her fame, because of her attitude when she lost UFC matches, because she's an outsider, because she might be leaving after WrestleMania, blah de blah blah blah. You can't tell me she's not good at what she does. It's the same as the Roman Reigns John Cena conversation as far as I'm concerned. I think she's absolutely excellent. As I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I'm not always convinced about some of her promo activity, but I thought what was really interesting was on the Raw after the Rumble, I thought what started off as being quite an awkward segment between her and Becky turned into an absolutely blistering one. And I thought Becky was brilliant, and I thought was getting the upper hand, and then when Ronda snapped in her face and shouted at her and put her down, I thought, ooh, if anything, I thought Ronda got the best of that, and I just thought that was a fantastic exchange. I really, really enjoyed that. So um, we could go on to more you know, stuff about Ronda nearer to WrestleMania, but I wanted to mention that one particular thread from, from that match. But other than that, Paul, is there anything else you want to talk about the actual Rumble pay-per-view itself? I don't really have anything else to go into too much depth. No, I think about. we've covered a lot of it. I think we can, you know, we'll go into a lot more depth on WrestleMania in the next few weeks, and also we've got a few other bits and pieces lined up in NXT special, like we said, and some surprises next week. So, uh, yeah, let's let's leave it there. Well, we've got one more thing to talk about, which we're going to finish that? on, but we'll get there in just a second. You'll find out. Um, uh, so, yes, but as Paul says, in two weeks' time, we, we plan to do an NXT special uh, edition. Uh, next week, we've got something a bit different for you, if all goes through to plans. Something a bit topical, something a bit different, which will um, hopefully get you in, in on a little bit on the social media so you can participate. Um, we also want to do uh, probably a Hall of Fame show at some point, Definitely. Paul. Uh, maybe, maybe in three weeks' time after the NXT one, we might do a Hall of Fame show because... Um, by that point, we will assume that there will be uh, uh, some, you know, some people, you know, named. And I, there was an interesting uh, thread on our Facebook page four or five weeks ago about, you know, who would you have in the class of of 2019? And people said, oh, it's really hard to pick. And I said, well, I don't think it is. And I came up with sort of six or seven people that almost no one else was mentioning. Um, so I, I want to do our kind of who would we put into a class of Hall of Fame and explain why. And as you said, there's lots of things we can talk about on the road to WrestleMania. So uh, apologies for missing last week, uh, but uh, it really was necessary because uh, Paul wasn't in a good place uh, <laughs> health-wise. And then uh, and then we had a decision we were going to do it Sunday, and then and the little thing called the Super Bowl got in the way, and uh, Paul was uh, not going to be quite as active in a, in a Super Bowl party as he was, and then he had to be. So uh, it's just the way it went. But we will be with you, um, you know illness permitting all the way up until Wrestlemania um, you'll notice we've done a, a pretty much plug free show um, those of you that know what we're all about in terms of our live events uh, we ran 12 shows for Wrestlemania for the Royal Rumble uh, the other week there was uh, a, you know a vast amount of people that came pretty much our Rumble record wasn't uh, it Paul? I think it was um, yeah just so thank you to everyone that came out um pretty good um, vibes across all the venues one or two small hitches at different places but uh, those were dealt with and uh, we've, we've spoken to whoever we need to for that so we're all systems go for, for Wrestlemania um, our marketing is sort of out there already so on our fo- and if you're interested you can have a little look on our social media look, just go to your favourite social media site and look for Hooked on Wrestling you will find us and our information about Wrestlemania you can also go to hookedonevents.co.uk but we won't go into the uh, the heavy sell just yet but if you do want to purchase for Wrestlemania Paul people can do that I right can now. you can go to hookedontickets.co.uk um, all your tickets are there and um, yeah get on it there you go any questions you know where to find us so we'll get more into the uh, the pluggage as it will as we get towards Wrestlemania time but safe to say if you want to um, 
to buy now you can do and just one thing to mention I suppose if people want to do it earlier earlier the better in terms of some of the busier venues if you want to book tables yep definitely um, well all the venues really in terms of tables we're not going to have any uh, tables left come Mania night um, <coughs> excuse me they go particularly quickly in Manchester uh, in Leeds and in Cardiff get involved get your tables booked yeah. um, don't delay buy your tickets and then get booked so you know you've got a nice comfy seat for Mania it's always something that's fun on the uh, the weekend of the pay-per-view when the uh, the email inbox Oof. starts to fill up and I would say 48% of the questions <laughs> are I haven't got my ticket yet where's my ticket and the answer is um, it's on your confirmation and another 48% is uh, can I get a table and the answer is no because it's Friday and the rumble's in two days time and you've missed your window <laughs> so uh, the earlier the better but that's what we'll do in terms of a, in terms of a sell um, so we've talked about what's to come on the podcast we've talked about the, the Royal Rumble we've talked about the uh, what you can do for Wrestlemania um, there only remains to do one final segment <laughs> of the show and it is a segment I am going to call the second annual Paul Benson free time for bragging about getting a Royal Rumble contender right. It's a snappy title, as I'm sure you'll agree. It's a working title. It's a working I am going to set this up, and then I am going to let Paul lead. But here is the short history. Last year, we were predicting surprise entrance in the Royal Rumble. Paul said the hurricane. The hurricane turned up, and he went a bit mad. All the way in the build-up to this Royal Rumble, before recording podcasts, Rob, we need to talk about surprise entrance. Rob, we need to talk about surprise entrance. Yes, Paul, okay, we will do. So we can tell the hurricane story again. I've got a good prediction for this year. Now, I want to clear something up. Paul and Paul and Jeff Jarrett are friends. They are business, business acquaintances for a long time, and they are friends. However, Paul did not have any inside information on this. I had no... I have, you might not believe it from listening to this podcast but me and Paul are quite good friends and we do know things about one another and I do happen to have seen he has shown me WhatsApp conversations between him and Jeff and at no point on them as Jeff said by the way Paul I'll be in the Rumble next week this is a it is a slightly informed guess I think you can probably say why now I don't think it's too much no, of a no. uh, you, can, you don't have to but I think you could get away with saying your main reason for having that hunch but let's face it I have to give Paul credit for the second <laughs> year running Paul called a surprise entrant in the Rumble he called the fact that it was Jeff Jarrett I do think I was the one that said I'd have him come out and interrupt Elias well that's obvious though isn't it I know it's obvious but I do want to point out that I said that I also said the honky top man would be next but um, the floor is yours congratulations <laughs> oh thanks man ain't I great eh <laughs> no honestly seriously I try I, I, I just try and apply a bit of logic to these things like, and I don't like to pick the obvious name I don't like to pick you know the guy you know the, the, the cast of characters that do we always cycle through like uh, Kevin Nash Booker T that sort of thing uh, or like a, a Tommy Dreamer when it's yeah, in Philly yeah exactly sort of exactly so I try and go a little bit off piece last year with the hurricane was based basically for the fact that he recently been in TNA and he was in decent ring shape um, and he was good buds with Matt Hardy he was flying high at the time I thought well, maybe maybe that, maybe it's a good time he was a fresh face he'd be an easy get a good plug pop and so it proved and it was a cat and also we talked about a couple of weeks ago mid-card characters you know good yeah. outfits good music all of these kind of things fit don't they because it's going to be that cameo yeah. appearance exactly well with, with, with Jeff right here's how it started so I, I was again I was trying to mull over I was trying to find one that was a bit left field um, trying to find what nobody else was predicting so I just decided I wonder, I thought, oh, I wonder if it's Jeff Jarrett and we wrote a column um, a few weeks ago 
and it was basically the column was my five picks for mystery entrance in the Royal Rumble um, and one of those I put on there was Jeff Jarrett and at the, at the time I was just kind of throwing it out there I thought oh, that wouldn't that be fun um, now I put it on Instagram which I don't normally for columns I'm not really sure why I did it actually I'm lying I did it to fish that's why I did it I did it so, <laughs> I did it so Jeff would see it um, I put it on Instagram now if you look at the hooked on Instagram page one thing you'll see we post maybe once twice a day Jeff Jarrett likes every single one of those posts You'd need to you need to follow Jeff on Instagram. The way Instagram works is it wouldn't tell you necessarily that Jeff has liked it unless you follow right. him as well, okay. and it might say Jeff Jarrett and 31 others have liked it. But you're right. You look on it, and oh, yeah, I would say 80% of the stuff that we post, Jeff puts a like. Just 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 consistently, like 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 everything. I posted this and tagged him in it. No like, no acknowledgement of it whatsoever. And at that point, I thought, yeah, yeah. That this is this is happening. I thought there was. A, I kind of read the tea leaves and thought, yeah, that's there's a real reason for that. I know how his mind operates. And uh, then a few photographs came up on Instagram of him training harder than usual, doing sort of cryo baths and things like that. And I just thought, yeah, I'm in with this. I'm right. And I kind of just, I I would have I would have had a sizable bet on the night that he'd have been the guy. And lo and behold, it was true. And there he was. And then when number one, the thing is. I'm going to tell a slightly different part of this story, okay? And it's only because I'm basically jealous of him getting it right again, and his mate appears at the Rumble. Um, but this is a true side of the story that I want told. During the Women's Royal Rumble, uh, we played a game. Myself, Paul, and Paul's friend Harry played a game where we each put a certain amount of money. We talked. We talked about this yeah, on yeah. the podcast a couple of weeks ago that we were going to do it. You put a certain amount of in money in per entry, and every time an entry comes around you take turns in guessing who it's going to be next. So Paul might say, I think the next one's going to be uh, Ayo Shirai. I might say, I think it's going to be Shayna Baszler. And Harry says, I think it's going to be, you know, Kari Sane. And if everyone's wrong, it rolls over to the next one. And if everyone, if someone's right, they scoop the pot. And you just keep taking it around in turn. So we did that during the Women's Royal Rumble. I got one right, getting three quid, I think. And that was about it. Uh, and I think Harry scooped the Harry did best, you did second best. Anyway... We decided we were going to do that for the, the men's Royal Rumble as well. As it was, there's the circumstances of who we were standing near, um, the way you, you, know, you, you know, the way just the night of our, we ended up sort of abandoning it halfway through, or a couple of entrants through. But Elias comes out as number one. It is going around the, the us to choose who is going to be number two. I am fairly certain, Paul, you said something like Dean Ambrose or something like that you didn't say <laughs> Jeff Jarrett I want that noted that we had talked about Jeff Jarrett being a surprise entrant and talked about him being after Elias and you didn't pick him however when his music <laughs> went it was like it was like it was like Kieran Trippier scoring <laughs> against Croatia you ran around like a lunatic it was hilarious yeah way more so than like, I seem to remember when the hurricane came out me and you weren't no, together no we were not and you and you called me and came running around saying the hurricane, the hurricane, the hurricane. This time we were together and it, it, you did the opposite. Rather than running towards me, you ran away, <laughs> cel- celebrating. It was it was it was an, a, actually rather touching. <laughs> well, I'm glad but, you thought uh, so. So anyway, well done. I was, uh, despite my little undercutting there of uh, of your victory, uh, it was uh, you know I was very impressed. Early thoughts on someone for the 2020 oh my god um well the pressure's on now isn't it so let's let's right you've put me right on the spot there but let's say the early guest for the 2020 royal rumble for bob holly 
Okay, I'll go for Owen Morgan. What? Owen Morgan. He's very good at 2020. Oh, He's excellent. There you go. Um, okay, but just to, just to round off the Jeff stuff, um, would you have expected him to be not only in the Rumble, but on Raw the following night and the following Christ week? No. Three paydays for Christ Double J. No, no I wouldn't have, wouldn't have called that one at all. Fair play. Fair play. And, and three different costumes if I remember rightly as well he had the old classic double J gear at the Rumble and then he went through to the Slapnuts era gear for his match with Elias on Raw so yeah fair, fair play to the guy he got the mileage out of it yeah it is nice listen we, we, we're, we're joking around and whatever but uh, as I said Paul knows Jeff quite well I know him relatively well well enough that we had a a bit of a chat and a catch up at the uh, the wrestling media con when I saw him for the first time in a few years in the uh, in the summer. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, he is um, he did a nice little live link up with us uh, live from WrestleMania this uh, last year. So um, I hate say, I hate podcasts that call people friend of the show are generally prats. But you know he's the closest there is to a to a friend of um, friend of this show. So uh, we we are very pleased that Jeff has. Uh, got this little bit of limelight uh, so to speak it's uh, it's very cool for him but it is one of those things that just goes to show you never say never ever in the wrestling business do you that when Jeff Jarrett was the only person to run opposition to Vince McMahon yep. for years and years and years and years okay with the assistance of Dixie okay with the you know when they went head to head it was to do with Bischoff and Hogan and whatever but Jeff is the only person really ever to serve it up to Vince since you know Vern Gagne, you know, and then you know slightly, you know, the, obviously the, the WCW stuff, but that was already going before that. Um, it's just incredible that not only would he go into the Hall of Fame, but he would then get a Royal Rumble surprise entry, then two nights on Raw as a legend. I just think it is an, it is just it, anyone can come back. Def- definitely, definitely. And hey, it's a good job I didn't throw out my stack of signed Jeff Jarrett pictures, eh? <laughs> available tomorrow on eBay brilliant I just reckon for all this I'm saying Co- Cody Rhodes for the surprise entrant in the Rumble 2027 that's what as Stardust yeah I like it and it's a and it's a million quid payoff just to uh, just to get him back to do that but fair play although what was interesting was <laughs> Kurt Angle was doing an interview on Raw saying oh, the one, one person I can't beat is Father Time I've been doing this for 20 years and then an hour later Jeff Jarrett was wrestling not looking terrible I have to say and them saying Jeff made his debut in WWE in 1993 <laughs> <laughs> Kurt's talking about 20 years and then they were talking about 26 years earlier when Jeff made his Raw debut do you know Jeff very quickly because we do need to wrap this up now but do you know Jeff set the record in the longest stint between Raw matches I would have thought he yeah, would do, nine, yeah. 19, 19 until, years and 4 months until Damien Demento comes back <laughs> I can't believe that's going to be uh, I don't think that's in a lot of a lot of I danger really. so. I, thought he, I, thought he, I thought he looked yeah, alright well, as well he's, you know, he's, he still keeps himself in good nick so fair play I, I rather felt for Elias that the guitar didn't break and that Ooh, yeah. the, the worst guitar shot of all time and I also felt for Jeff, the commentators were basically saying he hadn't wrestled for 20 years. <laughs> it was the idea that once once he left after that match against China, he hasn't wrestled since. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they do that. Sometimes someone is the hottest, you know, property going on the indies and they recognise the indies. And then sometimes they basically say, nope, he hasn't wrestled for 20 years. <laughs> It's a, it's a truly great narrative. Anyway, um, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Well done, Slapnuts, for your second consecutive uh, 
uh, rumble um, piece of guesswork or logical logical conclusion lo- logical making deduction. Yes, logical deduction. Well done, Sherlock. Um, so that's uh, we're very pleased for you for that. Uh, get Jeff on the show before WrestleMania. We'll have a little chat with him, and uh, it'll be interesting to find out all of his. I'll um, see what I can do. Uh, all of all of his thoughts on it but uh, until then we'll uh, we'll wrap up there thank you very much Paul for your company thank you everyone for listening uh, next week something uh, hopefully a little bit different if everything pans out a couple of weeks time NXT Hall of Fame Wrestlemania all sorts of things going on it's a great time of year savour it um, we've got the Elimination Chamber in there as well is there Fastlane I forget oh there's so much going on so it's uh, uh, there's plenty to be doing this is the best time of year to be a wrestling fan and as we always say it's wrestling Enjoy it from me and Paul. See you next week.